David. Welcome to My Strength and My Shield, a podcast about spiritual and self-care. My name is Nisi, and this is episode 22, Is Self-Care Christian? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of this podcast. I'm coming to you recording after coming back from a vacation, a very important and spiritual vacation I had in Jamaica with family. I didn't go to a resort. I stayed with my family members in Portland, which is the most beautiful, lush, green part of the island. And I say that it was important and spiritual for me because I haven't been to Jamaica since I was six, and I'm now 28 years old. So it's my first time back in 22 years. My mom and dad grew up in Jamaica, as well as all of my family members. And to go back to Jamaica and have this opportunity to hear stories about them in high school, I actually was able to visit their high school, Titchfield in Portland, and hear all these embarrassing stories about my mom and my dad as teenagers literally seeing the houses that they lived in. um, It really gave me an opportunity to be closer to my parents and also gave me this extreme feeling of gratitude. My parents grew up in poverty, and I don't just mean they didn't have food or they didn't have things. No, they didn't have anything. And there were times where they would go to bed hungry and the only food they had was the food they were able to plant in their backyard. I was able to go to the home where my mom grew up and walk inside to what is essentially a glorified shack. And to see the room that her and her, you know, it's four of them, so her three other sisters and her mom had to share along with at least five or six other family members, I was just, I just was so appreciative of the the life that my parents have created for me after coming through such struggle. So I saw that. I saw the good, the bad, the ugly, the good being the beautiful beaches, the beautiful islands, the, you know, every day was a different beach, a different waterfall. And there were moments where I was just, you know, I remember standing in a waterfall and feeling like this is God, you know, seeing all the green and the lush area. I was like, this, this is what it would have been if it wasn't touched by colonialism and oppression and slavery. (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. I feel that way even when I'm in America. I look around and I'm like, you know what, what would this world look like if it wasn't for white people? (laughs) But I digress. (laughs) Um, I had many spiritual moments, a lot of time to myself to reflect and think and contemplate. And I felt like I came back to the States with a whole new perspective on life. And I'm also coming to you after having spent time at the Supernatural Wellness Retreat put on by uh, the beautiful Francesca. If you don't know who she is, uh, you might know her as Fran. If you don't know who she is, I'm going to assume you live under a rock. (laughs) She's a person who focuses on wellness, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual wellness. She has a Tumblr and a YouTube channel under the name Hey Fran Hey, and also is on podcasts like The Friend Zone and Insecurity. She is the embodiment of light and love, and the retreat was beautiful. Just a room of black women in an intimate space, sharing and meditating, crying and growing and bonding. I was really doing some, you know, I was already doing some spiritual work from the trip to Jamaica, and then it continued on into the retreat. And it all came together to show me God is working on me right now to let go of the past so I can pursue my future. 
Uh, and it's interesting because, you know, I've graduated from school, I'm in my career, but there's still so much God wants me to do. And it's this reminder that there's, it almost is like people think that there's this deadline to be who you are when you're 30. And God is telling me, no, 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 ignore that and focus on the plans that I have for you. So the topic for today is focusing on how self-care and Christianity come together, or maybe how it doesn't come together. Christianity has a focus on sacrifice and loving others, and while self-care is great, sometimes I've had this moment where I see self-care as kind of self-indulgent, self-gratifying, and selfish, and about things like vanity. You know, the whole idea of treat yourself, and sometimes it hits me in a way that conflicts with my spirituality. So I wanted to talk about that today. We're going to jump into this topic and start with prayer, of course. But before that, if you hadn't had a chance, pause the podcast and rate and comment on iTunes. This podcast has been, you know, it's a special place in my heart. And I've had a lot of reflection, both on vacation and also in the spiritual wellness, um, you know, program that I had with Hey Fran Hey. And it's just been pushing me to expand this podcast and to expand the reach that it has. So your comments, your ratings, all the beautiful things you've said, I reach each, I read each and every comment, and I'm so appreciative. So if you haven't done so already, just pause the podcast and help to increase the exposure to other people. If you've enjoyed the episodes, enjoy what I'm doing here, pause this episode, rate, and comment. It means so much more than you know. So go ahead. I'll wait. You know, pause. Okay, welcome back. (laughs) Um, So if you can just lend your spirits, I'm going to begin with prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for giving us an opportunity to focus on self-care and really have a conversation about what self-care is about. We live in a society where right now on Instagram, on Tumblr, on Facebook, people are traveling and people are doing all kinds of self-care, all kinds of spa days, all kinds of yoga and meditation. And there's almost like there's this icon of what self-care is supposed to be. And I know that really and truly self-care isn't supposed to be anything other than a connection to ourselves and ultimately a connection to you. Because every time we pray, every time we get close to you, that's a self-care. The more we are able to connect with you, it helps us to connect with our own spirituality and our own sense of self. So I pray that this conversation helps to challenge us and how we see self-care, whether it's people who've already been doing self-care and it's going to challenge how we characterize self-care or maybe characterize how we share the self-care we're doing. Or maybe if you're a person that's heard of self-care but doesn't really know what that means or is kind of intimidated by the idea that there's this one perfect way to take care of yourself, allow us to let go of those shackles that bind us to expectations of how we're supposed to care for ourselves to really develop an individualized personal relationship with ourselves and with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. For the spiritual care section of this podcast, uh, head over to www.mystrengthandmyshield.com to find the worksheet that accompanies this episode. There you'll find materials for both the spiritual care and self-care sections of the podcast. It's great to have the worksheet because it has the Bible verses we'll be talking about as well as some of the points from the self-care section. It's good to have as you're listening to the podcast or also something you can just reflect on for in the future. 
Now, as I mentioned earlier, I had moments during this wellness retreat where I was thinking about the purpose of self-care. I think we are very much in a time where self-care is trendy. You know, sometimes you'll see people traveling as self-care, people having spa days as self-care, people making cookies or, you know, baking as self-care, meal prepping, things like that. And there's so many ways to take care of yourself. And it almost seems like it's even better when you can Instagram it and post about it. But it came to a point where I wondered if self-care was really about taking care of yourself or if it was just about giving off the appearance that you have it all together. Or better yet, that self-care was more an extension of our already self-absorbed and vain culture. So I wanted to talk more about self-care. How can we take care of ourselves and focus on ourselves without forgetting to also focus on God and the work we're supposed to be doing? And also, how do we know when we're really taking care of ourselves versus when it's really about being trendy or even vanity? Now, I broke this down into a couple of different notes, the way that I've kind of, the thought process I've been having when it comes to self-care. And of course, this is just my perspective. I am not coming from a place of trying to tell you how you should be taking care of yourself. But the purpose of this is to kind of challenge you and push you to really be thinking, is this self-care or have I just seen someone else doing it as self-care and now I'm thinking I should be doing it too? Or letting go of the expectation of what self-care is supposed to look like and really putting the self back in self-care. So the first thing I thought of was the fact that the Bible actually calls us to take care of ourselves. Self-care is a part of your spiritual work. And that's why, you know, this podcast focuses on both spiritual and self-care. Because to me, you have to think of both things. The Bible actually pushes us to focus on self-care. In 3 John verse um, 1, chapter 2, sorry, chapter 1, verse 2, It says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. It's important to make the connection that taking care of your outside and inside self also makes us have a healthy soul. We are to remind ourselves that we are whole people. To be balanced, we have to focus on our mental, physical, and emotional health. And I was thinking about, you know, I had a training for work about, you know, the work I do. Uh, For those that you don't know, I am a criminal defense attorney. And we deal, especially because I deal with indigent or poor clients, we're constantly dealing with people who have mental health issues. So I went to a training and it was talking about working with clients who have mental health concerns. And one of the things they talked to us about was that we should really stop saying mental health and making that separation between physical health and mental health and just say health. Because many of the things that we think of as mental health actually manifest itself as physical conditions. And what's going on in your brain is still physical health because it's real and it's tangible. Your brain is a part of you. 
When I say this, I mean, don't let anyone tell you that your anxiety or your depression is all in your head. Of course it's in your head. It's your brain, and your brain is a real organ that has real problems and real concerns. It's not just a thought if you just change your thought process. No, a part of your self-care and taking care of yourself is recognizing that you can't just be a person who exercises and eats well and is not taking care of your emotional self or your, your mental self. And of course you can do that, but you'll feel an imbalance. And so as being people seeking to be whole people, whole spiritual beings, whole Christian beings, the Bible encourages us to take care of ourselves as whole people. So it tells us, take care of yourself. You know, being in good health goes well with your soul. The second thing is that self-care ought to be centered around becoming whole and also on focusing on your relationship with God. So 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all in the glory of God. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. I like this verse because at first it's kind of puzzling. It's like, how in the world can eating and drinking glorify God? We eat to live, we drink to live, we all need water, we all need food. What does that have to do with God? Being mindful of what we put into our bodies is also being mindful of taking care of ourselves. God tells us, the word tells us that our bodies are temples. And, you know, on the one hand, our bodies being temples is supposed to remind us that God is within us and that the great thing about being a Christian is that you don't have to just go to a temple to experience God. You can do that just by being in tune with yourself and having that spiritual connection. But a lot of times we think of your body as a temple as a reminder to keep your body holy. You know, you're not going to... It's like when you walk into somebody's house and they ask you to take your shoes off. You want to you wanna keep your body, your temple, your, your home, your, your body is your home. You want to keep it clean. You want to keep it healthy. God tells us that our bodies are temples. So you should be eating right, and you should be working out, and you should be sleeping properly. And not just because it's nice to do or it makes you look good, but it's actually what we're called to do, meaning that there's a conviction you should have within yourself to take care of yourself. God didn't just give us bodies to look nice. He gave us bodies to do work. So you have to take care of your body so you can do that work. So one way of reading, you know, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all in the glory of God. On the one hand, it's, you know, kind of an analogy. Like even, you know, whether you're doing your work or you're eating, think of God. It's, it's enforcing that you should be having God at the center of all the things you do. But I also think it challenges us to take the mundane and to make it purposeful, to not go through the motions. And it's, I've talked about this in other episodes of being mindful. Don't just eat to eat. Don't just drink to drink. Do it because it works for your body. It makes you feel good. Your body feels better when you get more sleep. Your body functions better when you have more green leafy vegetables. You know, and I, I know that it's, I hope that it's not coming off as a, as a position of privilege because obviously there are people who are chronically ill and obviously the quality of the food that you eat sometimes does depend on the funds that you have. But there are, at this point, there are so many things you can do for free to help your body work. 
Um, you know, you can walk for free. You can watch YouTube videos for free. Get active. Take care of yourself because God is calling you to do so much. And taking care of yourself, your mental, your physical health, and everything in between helps you to do the work that God is calling you to do. So the next thing I was thinking of is we need to be careful of vanity masquerading as self-care. Now, Proverbs 31, verse 30, and I'm sure a ton of you have heard about this because there's this whole idea of the, you know, the Proverbs 31 woman. We'll talk about that another day. But it says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears, God, fears the Lord is to be praised. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, I'm a person who sees self-care not just as meditation and time I spend, you know, unpacking my feelings and past experiences, but also the outside things I like to do. You know, I like to take bubble baths. I like to paint my toes. I like to take care of my skin and do a face mask and all of that. And all of those things force me to take time out of my day to center on me and to be present. So when I do those things, it's not just because, you know, having good skin is, is great and not having a breakout when you're waking up and heading out is a good feeling. It's also just like it forces me to pay attention to me. I have to listen to music. I have to focus on me. I have to look at myself in the mirror. I have to take care of myself. It forces me to be present and to be mindful, you know? But I often wonder, is it still self-care if you have to post about it? Like, it's one thing to share, right? And again, this is coming from the thoughts that I have. So it's not that I'm a person that never posts a picture on Snapchat of me with my charcoal facial mask or something. I'm just saying that I do it, and then sometimes I think about it. I'm a little bit more mindful about what exactly is the reason why I have to share, you know, like, is this charcoal mask less powerful if, you know, I'm not sharing with people? Or is it even more about self-care when it is just for me and myself? When I think of self-care, I don't think of just taking care of myself. I think about building a relationship with myself. I think about building intimate spaces just for me. So it's like, like, for example, I use the example of, you know, my relationship. I don't do the thing where I share screenshots of every nice text I get or share pictures of presents that I get or share every single moment that we have. Now, I do share, and a lot of times that comes with great thought, and maybe I'm a person that overthinks things, but I never want to be a person that, you know, like if I have something nice to say to my boyfriend, I like to say it to him, Right. If I have a moment that I'm that we have that's important, I want to savor that and just be present in that moment. And I kind of think of that in a self-care aspect too, because if you're thinking about building a relationship with yourself, building an intimate space where you do something just for you, and it doesn't matter if nobody else knows that you've gone to the spa or that you've gone to therapy, you can do it just for you literally just for you. Nobody else has to know. And I often think that the private, intimate moments we have with the people that we love are more powerful because it becomes something sacred. And that's what I like to think of when I think of self-care. I think about something sacred. Connecting self-care to my Christianity helps me to see it as something holy, not just something to do 
to pass the time or because I'm bored. It's purposeful. It's purposeful that I'm taking time for myself. There is a specialness that happens when it is just about me. So for example, you know, if you have a situation where, like, again, I'm using this as an example, um, but I have this necklace, right, that my boyfriend gave me on the day that he asked me to be his girlfriend. And a lot of times I'll wear it. It's a very pretty necklace. Um, I love it. I, I don't, I'd only take it off if I'm trying to, like, if I'm going out and I need a necklace to match my outfit. But my every day I keep the necklace on. And I've had people comment and say, oh, that's a very pretty necklace. And I intentionally don't say, oh, my boyfriend got it for me. I just say thank you. Because to me, when I see the necklace, it's like a reminder to me. It puts a smile on my face of, you know, how nervous he was when he asked me to be his girlfriend and that special moment we had on Christmas Day, it matters to me. And, you know, there are other moments that I have where it's like if I were to share that, it would cheapen it because there are moments that are just for us. Think of self-care in the same way. Be careful about what you share and the reasons why you share it. Don't do it just because everyone else is doing or I'm encouraging you not to do it just because. If you find yourself mindlessly making a post or sharing or sometimes oversharing, think about it. Because if it really is about self, like I think there's a distinction, right? You can be intentionally sharing because you have a testimony. And you should share. If there is a struggle that you've gone through and there's a testimony in there to how God has changed you, that is important and that's powerful to share. And sometimes it's just fun to share what you're doing. Like, you know, I don't know, like people who watch Scandal and, and they're a glass of wine and it's like, what day does it come on? Thursday, Scandal Thursdays. You know, like it's a part of your self-care. It's fun to share. But to get that real intimacy, I do think sometimes you have to remind yourself to stay away from the vanity, to stay away from being like, oh, let me show people just how how great I am at self-care, because sometimes I do think it is a mask. If you find yourself only doing self-care because you can take a selfie or because you can post about it, is challenge yourself to wonder, is this really about self-care? Or is there a way that I can do this more intimately to really develop a relationship with myself? And I think about relationship because I focus on my relationship with God, my relationship with others, and also the relationship you have with yourself. And just like any other relationship, the more time you spend communicating to yourself, being present with yourself, that develops a relationship. I think there's a lot of times where we have choices to make in life and it becomes difficult to make those choices because we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust our intuition. We don't trust that we'll make good decisions now independent of maybe some of the bad choices we've made in the past. And I think it's because we don't have enough conversations with ourselves. It's because we're focusing way too much on the outward appearances. And I think that self-care or what it has been for me is sometimes disconnecting from the world and creating an intimate space. Turn off the phone, turn off the laptop, don't share, and let it be what it is, something that genuinely is for you and just for you. So right now, you know, I, I say self-care is trendy. Focusing on ourselves also happens to be trendy too. But remember that we're called to be in the world but not of it. So be careful and remember what self-care is about. Why do we do self-care? You know, the term itself has become, they say the word trendy a million times because 
there are so many things just like woke has become trendy or there are terms that we hear other people use and it becomes a part of our own individual vernacular, but sometimes it loses its meaning. And I hope that this conversation through the podcast is challenging you to think, okay, but what is self-care? Is it just taking care of yourself or is it spending time with myself, developing a relationship with myself? I like to think of it as working on a relationship with myself. But I also think that it's important that we remember why we have to take care of ourselves in a Christian context. So Philippians 2 verse 3 says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. We're reminded often, especially in the world, um, excuse me, in the word, but also in the world, that before you can pour into others, you have to take care of yourself. So for me to take care of myself or to have self-care focus as a Christian, so as a part of my Christian walk, my walk with Christ, even self-care should be focused on God. I have work to do. I don't know about you, beloved, but I have work to do. You have work to do. You taking care of yourself should be oriented around the work you have to do. And when we come to deciding what our purpose is, for me and what I've discovered through my spiritual work, how you discover your purpose is putting your passion to also helping others. That's it. Like, we're all chasing how do we develop our passion? How do we develop our purpose? I think, and I've talked about this before in the past, number one, I think it's possible to have different kinds of purposes, and you are challenged to discover what that is. It may not just come to you in a burning bush. You need to be trying new things, having new experiences, building new relationships, and discovering the different kinds of purposes God has for you. But I also think that it really comes down to if you're focusing too much on yourself, you miss out on your purpose, which is to love and help others. You have a testimony to share because it helps somebody else. You walk as a Christian because you are an example of God to somebody else. You go to church because you will be standing there as a vessel next to somebody else, and your presence helps their spiritual growth. I get passionate about it. I get worked up because sometimes we're so inwardly focused. We're so focused on beating ourselves up and replaying the mistakes of the past and being tied to those things stops us from the work we have to do. So you do the self-care to unshackle ourselves, to free ourselves up so we can do some work. You have work to do. I have work to do. Now, of course, there's a balance, right? Like I think that when this verse says, count others more significant than yourselves, I don't think it means that you have to take it to the extreme. You know, there are people who think that the best way to be a quote-unquote good Christian is to exhaust yourself being everything for everyone else. But the Bible cautions us against that, right? Like against being a slave to feelings that leave you empty. God wants you to be full, but you don't have to be self-centered to be full. So yes, go to therapy, take care of yourself, dress nice, do your hair. And in the words of India Irie, paint a toe. <laughs> but make sure that when you're doing these things, you keep in mind that you want to make, uh, make yourself feel good so that you can be in a positive place to be a positive light for somebody else. 
You want to take care of yourself so that you can fulfill your purpose. You should focus on what motivates you and what you're called to do and align your self-care in a way that you're not just discovering who you are, but you're also discovering what is your motivation. You know, I think so much about how we get wrapped up in what works for us and who we are and replaying the things that we've done in the past and letting go of those things. You know, do you, for me, when I was battling with depression, what actually caused me to get out of that funk was that I realized how exhausting it was. It is exhausting to be anxious and to be depressed. And I'm not saying this in a way that you can just switch it on and off because obviously for a lot of people, being depressed and anxiety has to do with a chemical imbalance or having to do with the wiring that goes on in our brain. But I do think that there are people that invite anxiety and depression. I'm also just speaking for myself invite that kind of energy in and it's not until you just become so exhausted by those feelings that you want to work on yourself that's how it was for me and I was so exhausted from the beating myself up and self-doubt and all those things I literally felt like it took energy to feel bad and then it took energy to lift myself back out and to be able to dispose of that negative energy freed me up it liberated my mind so that I could think about myself it takes you know like the 15 to 20 minutes it takes to beat yourself up and build yourself back up could be defeated by 30 seconds of affirmation and positive thinking you know it's exhausting to to not be taking care of myself I'm also going through a fitness journey as well and realizing that my body it's exhausting to be overweight for me because it's exhausting. It takes more energy to do things. It takes more energy to tie my shoes. So now that I'm in a space where I'm working on those things to, to be losing weight or to be eating healthier or to be focusing on my mind, it just feels light. I feel lighter. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do because that lightness helps me to do the work God calls me to do. It's not just, it feels really good for Nisi and Lisi just likes to feel good. It's like, yes, I feel good. Now let me get back to work. Now, this is all, again, just my perspective, and this is the way that I've been dealing with the pressure to focus on, you know, hashtag self-care, because people love pictures of people doing meal prep and yoga and, you know, self-care Sunday, but if it's really about your self-care, make it purposeful, make it intentional, and most of all, make it center around God. Unpack your emotions, deal with the past, and then move forward. Feel good because it helps you leave easier and, and feel lighter so that you can do the work that God calls you to do. Now, speaking of self-care, going into the second part of the podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit more about meditation and this is just on my mind because I did come from the retreat today. I've never really done meditation. Like, to be honest with you, I have tried and I feel like I have failed. Um, not because I wasn't doing it right, because I, but more so because I didn't give it the attention that it deserved. I think the first couple of times I did meditation, it was like at the end of a yoga class. 
and just 15 to 20 minutes of meditation. And I kid you not, every time we did it, I fell asleep. And of course, there are people who say, you know, meditation and is, is, is falling asleep while you're meditating is okay because your subconscious is still absorbing, you know, the chanting and the mantras of the person that's speaking. And it does have a very restful effect when you wake up and you come out of that meditation. So I'm not you know, saying that I wasn't getting something out of it. I'm just saying I wasn't giving it focus. And when I fell asleep, it was because I was tired. And I don't really think it was because I was listening. It was like, my eyes are closed. It's dark. I'm going to sleep. So with this retreat, I was a lot more intentional about the meditation. I knew what I wanted to get out of it. I was very much more mindful. You know, I placed myself in a position where I wouldn't fall asleep. I made sure that I was sitting up. Um, and again, there's nothing wrong with falling asleep while you're meditating. Um, but for me, I knew what I wanted out of this meditation. So learning how to meditate is something that I definitely want to incorporate into my everyday. And of course, my meditation is separate from my prayer. Like I have my morning prayer. I have the prayer I do with my boyfriend when we do Bible study. I have the prayer that I do throughout the day. But my meditation is not necessarily just about what you're saying. There's different ways to experience meditation. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit more in the self-care section. I talked about mindfulness uh, when it comes to, you know, self-work in episode 11, when God says no on that episode in the, the self-work section, I talked about mindfulness, about being present. And I talked briefly about meditation. I talked about finding a quiet space, sitting comfortably, sitting up straight um, and noticing what your body is doing. And when I talked about it on that episode, it was really just one kind of meditation. Like I said, you can do meditation sitting. You can also do it laying down. You can do it standing up. You can do it with your eyes closed or your eyes open. Of course, there are suggestions but just like we were talking about in self-care, you have to remind yourself to put the self in self-care. So whatever you're trying to get out of meditation, whatever makes you feel comfortable is the right way to do it. Because there's no way that you should or shouldn't be doing it. There's different techniques to try to get you into a state where you really are meditating, but it's not where this idea of there's a perfect way, you don't have to cross your legs, you don't have to, you know, chant and say om and namaste and all those things you can do that and it's very powerful to do specific techniques to get a specific outcome but as you're trying new things i want you to be forgiving with yourself and to remind yourself that it's not about being perfect it's about finding what works for you and allows you to be present so i was doing some research and i found on and i'll, I'll put the link up it was on um, liveanddare.com slash types of meditation. It focuses on three different kinds of meditation. And of course, I found websites that said there's up to 25 different ways, but this kind of groups them up in different categories so that you can kind of think, okay, what are the different ways to meditate? And when I know what my own goal for meditation is, it can kind of fall into one of these three categories. So the first one is focused attention meditation. It's focusing the attention on a single object during the whole meditation section. The object may be the breath, a mantra, visualization, part of the body, external object. It's about fixating on one specific thing for the entirety of the meditation. And I think that we experienced a little bit of that in the, um, you know, the, the wellness retreat. There was times when the person who was speaking was talking about the breath. 
and noticing how your lungs expand and how your ribs expand when you breathe out and then how you collapse into yourself and how your navel goes up and down. You know, because sometimes that mindfulness, that focus helps because we're so out of tune with our bodies. We're, we're so impatient with our bodies. Sometimes we're impatient. We just want it to do what it does, but we don't pay attention to. Do you know how complicated our breathing and our nervous system is? There's this whole system functioning inside of us. And it takes, you know, you take it for granted. There are some people who need assistance with breathing. So if you're able to do it on your own, you owe it to yourself to just be in awe of the magic of that. So there's a lot of things that you can focus on. There are people who do meditations where they just say a specific quote over and over again for, for minutes, hours, and they just focus on that one mantra. But some people you know, open their eyes and they look at one thing and then they just meditate on that. Some people have a vision for themselves and they wanna just focus on that vision. So that's one kind of meditation, focused attention meditation. The next one is open monitoring meditation. So for this one, we keep it open, monitoring all aspects of our experience without judgment or attachment. All perceptions, be them internal, your thoughts, your feelings, your memories, or external, sound or smell, are recognized and seen for what they are. It is the process of non-reactive monitoring of the content of experience from moment to moment without going into them. Again, I, like I said, this, the wording comes from the website, but this one um, was one that we also experienced in the wellness retreat because it's, it's recognizing that there's so many things going on with us internally and then also externally as well. The important thing is being mindful and, and experiencing those feelings, those observations without judgment. So like, let's say you're in a class with multiple people and you're meditating and you see other people in different positions. It's like you notice that a person is laying a certain way, but you don't attach judgment to that. You don't say, oh, that's the right way or the wrong way. You're just noticing oh, she has her leg this way, he's standing in this way. Or even beyond that, if you're meditating and you're like, wow, I feel really sad right now, and you allow yourself to feel that emotion and maybe an emotion of frustration, or you feel the tightness in your chest and you allow yourself to breathe through it, it's the letting go, it's like the being present with what's going on in you and around you, but also letting go of the judgment attached to that. You're just experiencing it. You're forcing yourself to feel every finger, every toe, and every sound, sound you hear, whether it's the birds chirping or bells or chimes that are going on or the music that you're playing. You're just experiencing it. It's open monitoring. And then the last one was effortless presence meditation. It's the state where the attention is not focused on anything in particular but re, um, reposes on itself quiet, empty, steady, and introverted. We can also call it choiceless awareness or pure being. This kind of meditation is almost like a mix of both. And I like thinking about this because it's you know effortless presence. It's allowing yourself to recognize that you're here, but you don't have to focus on anything. And I found that to be a mix between focused attention and open monitoring because it's both, you know, for a time in the meditation, you could be focusing on one breath the way that you inhale, the way that you exhale. But then your mind could wander and you can think about, 
you know, oh, the birds are tripping. And you can allow your mind to wander without that judgment, without feeling like I'm doing this wrong. It's like effortless. You can start out with open monitoring and then focus in or start with focus and get open. And the detachment of judgment allows you to really just be mindful and present and to accept that you're a whole person that's a body and also a mind that sometimes wanders and there's nothing wrong with that. So I also wanted to share a little bit of, you know, the things that came up when I was meditating um, in a way to kind of, you know, a lot of this, because I, I went to the retreat without expectations. Um, you know, I was one of the people that got my ticket like six months way before the, the event happened. And so I kind of was quick to buy the ticket, but I didn't realize until I got there what the purpose for me being there was. Um, and especially having it come right after my vacation to Jamaica, it was very intentional and very important that I was there. But, you know, the thoughts that came up, I didn't really plan for it, but they kind of just poured out of me and I really appreciated having the space of meditation. So the first thing that came to mind or things that I learned when it came to meditation is how hard it is to focus. Like even when it's a guided meditation and someone is telling you to focus on your breathing, I still felt myself being like, wow, I have to go to work on Monday. <laughs> or actually, you know, when I'm recording this, I have to do night shift. I'm working 4 p.m. to 12 a.m. And how many times my mind wandered from being present to the work I have to do. Um, I had to remind myself that it's hard to meditate and there's nothing wrong with me if I'm not able to do it. But making the attempt is what matters, you know. But I did realize how hard it was to focus. And in line with that, it's like, it was also really difficult to purposefully breathe. The kinds of deep breaths, like she would ask us to take a deep breath. And then once we're at the top, she would say, now take a sip in more. And it, you could feel it was almost painful, but the kind of breathing out was so intense. It was like a complete exhaling of everything that you had. It felt like a deeper breath that you were exhaling more than just the air, but like the feelings, the emotions, the tightness. But to do that purposefully, it was difficult. It was different, you know? The next thing um, that I, I realized from meditation was, you know, how it feels to be silent with my emotions. And I do think that a lot of people are terrified of silence. Even though I'm an introvert and I like being by myself, I like to be busy by myself. Um, but I rarely have time where I'm just thinking. And it was really powerful to dedicate a day to my inner thoughts, you know. So that was something that I gathered. And then the last thing was what I realized was how wonderful it feels to be present. You know, I walked into this retreat a little bit frustrated because I'm doing all this spiritual work and self-work now and self-care. But I was upset because I was like, why did it take me so long, you know? Like, if I had just known this in college, if I had just known this in law school, I would have been so much less miserable. And it's hard because when you think of the person that you are, it's hard to know who you are when a lot of what you think defines you is the reactions that you're having to your emotions or to your circumstances. So I think a lot about, okay, this person that struggled through school, how would this person have been if she didn't have to go through that struggle? And that's a hard thing to deal with. It's like, who am I independent of what I've been going through? And so it was nice to, to let go of that judgment and to just celebrate that I was there. Yes, it sucks that at 28, I'm just now figuring this stuff out. Or the fact that I could be 30, 40, 50 and still be working on this stuff. But the important thing is that I was here. 
And so I do think, you know, listening to this podcast, and if you're a person that takes this seriously, if you do, you know, have the worksheets and you think about this after you stop listening, that's self-care. And I want you to celebrate that, that you could be listening or doing anything else, and you're here with me. You're here on this journey to self-care and spiritual care and developing a deeper understanding of who you are through this podcast. That is to be celebrated. Allow yourself to celebrate even the small things you're doing to get you to being centered. Because I'm telling you, it, it sucks when you look back and realize that you've accomplished so much, but you felt nothing. Like, there are years of my life where I felt nothing, and here I am overwhelmed with emotions, and it feels good. The numbness is terrifying. I don't want to go back to that. And so it felt wonderful to be present. And so I hope that this has been helpful. You know, the conversation about having self-care and how it connects to Christianity and also maybe encouraging you to do a little bit of meditation. I am by no way a professional. I'm just a person who had this day full of meditation that changed me. Not that I'm a whole new person, but I have this feeling of calm and I don't want to let go of it. And I'm willing to do the work to make this feeling last. final part of the podcast, I wanted to answer a question that was sent in to me. As a reminder, you can always send me a message to my Tumblr, which is youngblackandvegan.tumblr.com, or you can send me an email at strengthandshieldpodcast at gmail.com. So I had someone send me a message to my email. And as I always say, you know, it's there's a quicker turnaround if you send me an email because I think a lot of the messages get lost on Tumblr. So if you send me a message on email, I will always respect your privacy. I will not say your name. It will always be anonymous. But a part of the reason why I did this podcast is because I get a ton of questions on Tumblr and some questions go deeper than the space allowed on a blog. And being able to talk it through with you, being able to talk to you like you're here with me, it's, it's why I have this section. So if you have any questions, you know, don't hesitate. I'm here. I'm here for you. And if I can help, I'll be happy to do that, okay? So this message came into my email, which is, again, strengthandshieldpodcast at gmail.com. And it says, hey, Nisi, since childhood, I had been very adamant that God doesn't exist. Yet now, as an adult, I'm conflicted. Your podcast episode, Where Do I Begin My Walk, found me at this weird time in my life where I'm rethinking what I believe, and hearing you talk about your relationship with God struck a chord with me. While I'm curious to learn more about building a relationship for myself, I even found a church that I might try out, I can't help but feel like I don't deserve it. Why would God accept someone like me who has denied him so much to the point of being angry and resentful towards him? What does he stand to gain? I love this question. Um, I love it because it's honest. I love it because it's not just a simple, how do I start my relationship with God? It goes deeper and it's honest about a lot of the issues that we have when it comes to our relationship with God. The first thing that I want to say to you, beloved, is that understand that God doesn't work like people. So a person that you're in a relationship with 
If you're angry with them, they might get angry at you for being angry with them. God doesn't work that way. Or a person who is a friend with you, if you stop talking to them, may be mad that you've stopped calling them. God doesn't work that way. God wants you. God is a jealous God, and he wants you to focus on him. But he is not the kind of angry God that is so frivolous, where our constantly changing perceptions of him makes him change how he sees us. Above all else, God created us. You are his child. There is unconditional love. When I think about this, I think about the story in the Bible, the story of the prodigal son. And the way that this parable goes, it's a parable that you talk, you know, because the Bible often speaks in parables and gives us lessons, um, tales that can help us apply it to our life. It's the story of a son who goes away and his father doesn't see him for a very long time. And he has one son who's faithful. He stays by the side. He does what the father asks him to do. And when the son comes back, he returns to his father. He expects his father to be disappointed at how, how long it took for him to come back and the choices that he made. In fact, a part of the parable is that he comes back and he smells like he's been with pigs. And that's powerful because if you know anything about Jewish culture, um, you know, in eating pork and, and, and being around pigs, it's, it's not really kosher. So this idea of this son who not only is coming back, but he's filthy. Whether it's, you know, actually filthy, but also um, symbolically, like who knows what he was doing when he was outside the presence of his father. And the parable goes, the return of the prodigal son, is that rather than judging him, the father throws him a feast. He tells the son who's been faithful, bring the fattest animal you can and let's have a feast. I say this because I'm telling you that when you return to God, God smiles because all he wants you to do is to be close to him because he's got a message for you. And it's hard to hear that message when you're far. You know, like if God spent all this time putting you together and wanting you to do some work, he wants you to know what he has for you. This isn't a trick. <laughs> it's not a scam. God wants you to know what he has for you so you can do what he wants you to do. So this idea that you don't deserve a relationship with God, that is not from the Bible. It's not spiritual. And if you are going to work on your relationship with God, you have to separate the internal feelings you have and realize what is reality and what is just your feelings. Because those feelings you have are feelings of shame and of guilt. Deal with those feelings, but know that God doesn't feel that way. Those are your feelings. You feel ashamed. You feel sad. You, you, know, I, you know, I appreciate you saying that hearing me talk about my relationship is helping you. It struck a chord. It's helping you to work on your own relationship with God. But the shame you're feeling comes because you're comparing yourself to me. My walk is my walk. And I want you to understand that just because I believe in God doesn't mean that I don't get angry and that I don't become resentful. There are times when I do turn to God and I say, I'm pissed off right now. There's been times when I've cursed at God. And the Bible is full of people who turn to God and say, why me? Why are you having me go through this? Even Job in the Bible, who was seen as like the perfect guy, 
that endured so much eventually was like, God, why? Even Jesus Christ, his last words, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Everyone has moments where they're like, God, why? But I'm telling you that we change how we feel about God, but not God's love for us is unwavering. And I'm getting emotional thinking about it because that's what understanding God's grace is about. You are imperfect. You don't deserve God's love, and you get it anyway. And do you know how beautiful that feeling is? Like, imagine if you had friends like that, that if you had a bad week and you're like, man, I'm so sorry, I haven't called you in a week, I was just going through it. And instead of getting mad at you and being like, hey, stranger, or fancy, you know, talking to you, or, oh, your phone does work. Instead of those judgmental little things, if they just met you with a hug and were just like, I'm so happy you're okay. That's what God does every single time. Yes, we turn our back on God. And even when you dedicate yourself to God, there are going to be times when you turn your back on him. That's what sin is. Anytime you sin, it's you turning your back on God. But I'm telling you, every time, God loves you when you're messy. He loves when you're filthy and you return. And I'm not even just talking about sin. I'm talking about if you're shrouded in shame and self-doubt and those things that make you feel heavy, God tells us to cast our burdens on him. He takes it. He takes it and he loves us. So when you're thinking about your relationship with God, stop seeing him as a person. He is your heavenly father. It means his love for you is unconditional. You denied him and he still loves you. You denied him and everyone has denied God. In order to be saved, you have to not be saved. So yes, I have a relationship with God that I'm constantly working on, but I wasn't raised in the church. I wasn't always living a saved life. <laughs> I'm not perfect. I surely am not perfect. There are times that I was messy, but let me tell you, the day that I was saved, I felt a hug, a long, deep hug from my heavenly father saying, welcome home. That's what your church is. Your church is your spiritual home, and your relationship with God is your home. When you come to God, he says, welcome home home. I've been waiting for you. There is a feast waiting for you. There is a promise waiting for you that's deeper than any relationship you can have with anybody else. So let go of this idea that you're coming to God for an earthly relationship. When you come to God, you get something bigger. It is overwhelming the love that I feel from God, even when I don't love myself. And even when I don't love him, because I'm telling you, there have been times where I turn to God and I'm like, I am your faithful servant and you, you're playing with me. You're playing with my emotions. What are you doing? I'm doing everything you asked me to do. Why am I still struggling? And then when I get through that struggle and I see the person God is creating me to be, and God is patiently waiting. He's like, I took you through it before. When are you going to trust me? I feel like everything God does in my life is him saying, when are you going to trust me? When are you going to trust that I have your best interest at heart? When are you going to trust me that I would not open an opportunity for you that you can't handle? When are you going to understand that I gave you this job, I gave you this work to do because you can do it? When are you going to understand that I will never stop loving you? 
I get emotional when I think about the, the love that God has for me. So I apologize. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. I hope that was helpful. The question, what does he stand to gain? It's, it's not a good question to ask because your relationship with God is not about what he gets out of it, but what you get out of it. What he gets out of it is a child and what he gets out of it is someone who's willing to work on his behalf. That's what your purpose is. Walking in your purpose, understanding the work that God has for you, that's what God gains. But even more than understanding what God gains is understanding what you gain from it. Well, relationship with God doesn't mean that life is easier. It does not mean that everything becomes simple. Your relationship with God means you don't have to do this alone. The world is scary, it's not fair, and sometimes it doesn't make sense. But when you have a heavenly father where you can have a tough day at work and you can collapse into his arms and he says, welcome home, there is no greater feeling. There's no greater feeling than knowing that you always have a home in God's arms. And I hope that helps, beloved. I really appreciate your question, and I hope that it, this answer helps anybody else who has a similar question of, I feel ashamed that I haven't been working on my relationship with God. Let go of that shame, because that shame is stopping you from that relationship with God. Feeling like you don't deserve a relationship is you, or you know, it's the, the enemy telling you you don't deserve it. And I'm here to tell you, you do deserve it. Not only do you deserve it, but God is calling you. And that is why the words you hear from me is resonating with you spiritually, because it's not me. There is a reason why you're listening to this podcast on this day to get this message. And the message is this. There is nothing you could do to make God stop loving you. And when you come home, you have a place in God's heart. And he loves you when you're messy and he loves you even more when you return. Let go of the shame and the walls that you have up that give you an excuse to not work on your relationship with God. Do not glorify self-pity. Do not glorify the, the feelings of shame where it stops you from working on your relationship with God. When you glorify those things, you stop your progress, and God wants you to move forward. Let go of that shame. Move forward. Walk through that open door and allow God to open you with welcome arms, beloved. So we're at the end of the episode, beloved. I hope that you found it to be interesting and enlightening. Uh, I wanted to share both the experiences that I've had and also give you some, some things to think about. I think that self-care is really important and I'm happy to be in a generation where more and more people are not just interested in going through the motions, but really want to practice mindfulness and self-care. And I think it's a beautiful thing. The goal is not to make you feel like you shouldn't be doing self-care, but just like I said, a reminder to keep the self in self-care, that there's a, a process of realizing what individually works for you. It's not just about what everyone else is doing. It's about being inspired to find out what works for you. So I could have, you know, I spent that entire time talking about meditation and you can realize that meditation isn't for you, but there's other ways to kind of be inspired by the purpose of meditation. So meditation makes you mindful and present. You can do that, have that same purpose and do some journaling or do some prayer or, you know, 
have a, a practice of going for a walk every Saturday and being alone with your thoughts, no music, no cell phone, and just thinking. There are lots of things you can do and tailor it to your own life that can really help you to be in touch with who you are, not just because you want to feel what you feel, and it's important to have those feelings, but feel for the purpose of giving yourself some motivation so that you can move forward and make those good choices in your life for you and for the benefit of those around you. Um, as always, I really do appreciate all the comments that I've been getting on iTunes. Please continue to keep that going. I'm in the process of, you know, opening up the podcast and I've been able to have a couple of episodes where I've been sponsored or had people send me things for review or, um, you know, giving a shout out to some people that are doing some other spiritual work. If you are a person, a small business owner or someone who is interested in collaborating with me, go ahead and shoot me an email at strengthandshieldpodcast at gmail.com. I'm open to new ideas and I'm ready to see what other things God has for this podcast. So until the next episode, take care of yourself, beloved.